As the worlds of culture, storytelling, and technology collide, so too do the best and brightest minds within them. Welcome to Select Conversations, a podcast series brought to you by United Masters. This episode features super producer and creative entrepreneur Pharrell Williams and Steve Stout, the founder of United Masters and marketing agency Translation, going deep on the importance of ownership and the key tactics of black entrepreneurship. Are you looking for a great option to bank or invest? Ally Financial is a leading digital financial services company with passionate customer service and innovative financial solutions. They are relentlessly focused on doing it right and being a trusted financial services provider to both customers and communities. Get with Ally to make the most of your money so you can save, invest, and spend on the things that matter to you. Go to ally.com for more information. That's A-L-L-Y dot com. Well, Pharrell, I haven't had the chance to sit down like this with you since, shit, and just talk freely like this. It's probably been like 10 years, man. Um, yeah. We've known each other for 20, maybe 26 years now. Crazy. I know. And the fact that's crazier is that you still look the same. That's actually the crazier part. That's crazy. We, we, it was RCA, RCA yeah. uh, 1993. When did you do the SWV work? Uh, maybe sometime that year and then come out in 1994. Yeah, 93, 94. I was up there. I was on my way of getting fired right before. Uh, <laughs> One of the greatest things ever happened to you. It was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Was I got fired. I got fired, actually. Um... But back then, you could give the producer the acapella, and then they'll like submit different remixes. Yeah, you remember? I remember that. You get free. You get a free shot to hear what they got. And uh, I had met I had met Tone, and I'd given them a, a remix, but I never got it back. And uh, I ran into him at the mall. He said, "I'm coming in on Monday at eleven o'clock." Okay, cool. I had a meeting with my boss at one o'clock. Tone shows up at twelve forty-five. And he's on the phone, and he still can't get off the phone. He had the brick, sorry. <laughs> he had the brick phone. So I said, look, you finish your call, and I'll go, and I'll be right back. Uh, I have a 1 o'clock meeting. He's waiting in my office. I go to see my boss. I get fired. So now I come back. I don't need the remix. <laughs> I just lost my... <laughs> I, just, I just lost my job, man. And... Uh, he said, what are you going to do? I said, I have no idea. And he says, why don't you manage me? And that's how I started managing the track masses. That's great. Literally in my office, after I got fired. I don't need the remix. Oh. <laughs> what are you doing? I have no idea. I know. He goes, why don't you manage me? Yeah. And they, and, and they had Soul For Real, all those joints, and you know they were started getting going. So it was yeah. the timing could not have been... Uh, been any better. But anyhow, listen, I want to talk to you about all the great things that you've done and are doing uh, specifically. And I want to start with, you care so much about our people. I've, I've watched you um, take on efforts, whether it be political efforts to try to help put um, uh, Hillary in office at, or, um, you know, take on hate crimes and put yourself out there. And just fighting for our people, you believe in that humanity deserves better. Um, you are the first person to speak to me consistently about the value of empathy. 
and what it would mean in a world if we all had empathy. And with that, I want to ask you about black ambition. And I want to take our time and get into this. I want people to understand why at this point in your career, why are you taking on this huge mountain, this huge challenge with black ambition right now? And first, tell us what it is. Uh, well, you know, all of us as people, we're a result. You know, we're a result of our choices, what we eat, our environment, who we are, our genetics, we're a result. But for the, the plight of the African-American and the African diaspora, we have had a, a different, we've had additional layers to what is our result. And that's because of things that we understand that are very blatantly obvious to us. And there are things that there's all the fine print um, causes. And we haven't always been aware. And if you think about who we are, we're, we're, we're north of 13% of the population. We are, you know, north of 30 million of 340 million Americans. Yet we have always been at the fulcrum of artistic taste, mm -hmm. you know, as it pertains to music, art, um, every artistic fashion, yeah. design, writing, poetry, everything, spoken word, the whole, pack, the whole inventions, package. It's scary the, mm -hmm. the amount of inventions that we got credit, credited for, but even scarier the ones that we hadn't gotten credited yeah. for. Mm -hmm. um, there's a really interesting writing by this guy named um, Michael Harriet on um, inoculation and how it actually came from West Africans. Um, it's where they, where we, where our country first learned about inoculation was through them, through enslaved people. Mm -hmm. Crazy story. Um, but the issue is, is that we don't have any equity for all of our contributions all this time, yet we have all the results, all the side effects of not knowing, all the side effect of purposeful disadvantages and blockages in the system. Mm -hmm. So in my quest to understand why God has blessed me bountifully and plentifully, the only thing that I could come up with is that, oh, I hear shit different. I see things differently. I must use that for other people. I, got, I might see some things that they might not be seeing. Mm -hmm. I might be hearing some things that they might not be hearing. Mm -hmm. So more than just like the, the, the gift of the music, but it's also to hear the music, the patterns, the rhythms, the melodies, the harmonies, the dissonant chords of like what's going on in our society. If I can pick up on some of that and break some of that down and like maybe get the right people in the room to build an organization to change that, then that's what I, we, we have set out to do with Black Ambition. Because mm -hmm. our first, our biggest issue as African-Americans is that we don't really have a voice, right? We don't really have a voice when it comes to the decisions that are being, most of the decisions that are being made. Now, as of recently, we've, we've shown our power, yeah. you know, in the polls, we've shown yeah. our power, like, in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But it's still in a system that is rigged fundamentally 100%. against us. Mm -hmm. And 
going back to that voice thing, we don't have a voice because we don't really have a slice of the pie, the pie chart, the American pie chart. But yet and still, we are the influence for the music. We are influence for the sneakers. We are the influence for the art. We are, we are the influence for the slang. We are influence for the sound. We are influence for the dancing. We are influence for even our taste buds. But we don't, the problem with all that, we don't own most of it. We're not the owners. So I speak about this a lot. And um, this whole idea of sort of the system of, of payment or lack of payment over time, uh, starting with the indentured servant, servitude to slavery to employment and now ownership, right? This is where we need to go. We need to be owners. You speak a lot about, um, in Black Ambition, about funding bold ideas for Black and Latinos, entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Talk about that whole idea of, of, of wh why entrepreneurs, and it is its connection to ownership, you believe the way we will unlock all the value of what we actually put in the system? Well, yeah, because that's what America is. That's what America has always promised that it would be to all of us, a place where entrepreneurs, a person with a dream and an idea can come and make it within the confines of like healthy capitalism. But it's not been that for us. It's been toxic capitalism. It's been oppressive capitalism. Um, it actually makes money for us to be on federal subsidies for a lot of owners who own these housing projects. It makes them a lot of money for us to be on federal subsidies. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? So like, you know, the founding fathers were actually founders. I gotta tell you some crazy shit just to add to that. There is a group doing prison reform, right? And that group had to get rid of one of the members as the group because they found out like seven months in, that one of the members owned a company that was the catering service for prisons. Makes the money. And, and I, it was, I was blown away because I still didn't wrap my brain around the fact that somebody's making money off of prison food. Yes. Off of every bit of it. Every bit of it. I'm really? sorry I didn't cut you off. It was just like when you nah, said that, it made a, me think of that. Like, you're actually fighting for prison reform on the, on the front end yeah. for the hype. Yeah. But in the back, you're selling prison food. Yeah. But this is supposed to be entrepreneur's land. It's just not been for us. And so when you think about it, like all the people who own businesses or started business or at least are in senior leadership positions... Their kids have amazing education. They have amazing access to healthcare and medicine. And they have amazing representation from family lawyer to, you know, local representative. We don't have that because we don't own enough shit. Mm -hmm. Now, if you think about <clears throat> our Jewish brothers and sisters, our Asian brothers and sisters, for example, um, you know, when someone in the family is a doctor, Kids are going to a good school. Um, when mom and dad are the doctor or the lawyer, you know, or of the such, they're going to good school. Mm -hmm. They got great health care. You know, they got, they got great representation. When you don't have that, 
you're probably going to go to a not so good school. You're probably going to have not so great health care and access to medicine and representation. And so once you go generation after generation after generation after generation of a lack thereof, you start feeling like that's all you are. Right. And so um, then when we do have these innate propensities like moving money around, we don't end up on Wall Street. We end up, we end up, you know, being the guy that like sells dope. Yeah. Right. If, if, if we, if we don't, um, if we don't, you know, the science teacher doesn't see the propensity in this kid who's really amazing with the beaker. Well, he's not going to go intern at Pfizer. No. Right. He's going to end up in the kitchen. Yeah. yeah. up the drugs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy that's really good with the math, he has no calculator in his pocket, you know, but he knows exactly how much he's owed. He knows who's going to bring it to him. He knows what time he's going to get it. He's good on it. But man, that guy should have been moving somebody's money around, the money app- around app- for Morgan the, Stanley. The application of the skill is misguided. That's right. Because it's there. The, those propensities are there. I went to school with kids that could do wheelies on bikes from light pole to light pole. Man, they never saw the X Games, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They never saw the X Games. They had it. Or, or dudes in the hood. Who was breakdancing are not even in the Olympics. They're not in the Olympics. <laughs> they, you, you already knew where I was going. Yeah. Like, or, 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 or they, what we call in the hood, we call it tumbling. Mm-hmm. But in school, it was called gymnastics. Yeah. Yo, I knew dudes that could do like 20 backhand springs. Bro, I knew guys that could flip over cars. Run and flip over a car. Quick. And it was just funny. That's it. But meanwhile... Yeah, somebody's making money. It's a sport. They didn't get to the, yeah. Sim- the Simone Biles thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's... And, and, and that's what we want with Black Ambition. We know that those propensities are there. We just know that, like, when it comes to, you know, VC and, like, private equity, we're, as founders, people of color, we're less than 3%. And that's nothing. We're less than 3%. Mm-hmm. And if you ask that less than 3% what they needed more than anything else, they're like, man, capital was hard to get. But man, you know what we really needed? What we really needed was the guidance. We really needed the mentorship. You talk about that mentorship, resource, it's access. It's super important. Yeah, Because it's like access. asking somebody, okay, cool, you've got a great idea, but that doesn't mean you know how to run a business. I got to tell you something. You know, this whole conference, SelectCon, is about educating you know, young musicians, artists, business people and the like. And when I first went out to Silicon Valley um, and I was blessed to, to meet Ben Horowitz and, and really get a, 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 an understanding quickly, my version of access was they would call them subject matter experts. Do you want to meet a subject matter expert? And I had never heard that term before. Like I would, you know... Um, I didn't know somebody with no vested interest in me would actually sit down and give me a level of insight and education that was almost like the cliff notes of understanding something. Uh, specifically, I didn't know it was technology at the time. And when I read what you guys are doing with Black Ambition, it feels like you're opening up a world of subject matter experts. Yes. So not only are you providing capital, but this idea of whether you want to call it mentorship or guidance or resources, the resources is obviously much more than money. It's the ability to tell somebody, yo, that's not the right path. 
you should go that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should take that part out. And it's that, it's that that gives you the confidence that you can move forward. Because a lot of times, what I've realized, and I've been an entrepreneur for you know 20 some odd years, this idea that having access, so Black Ambition provides not only financial capital, but resources, access, mentorship. And that idea of resources and access is as valuable, if not more valuable than money. Because what I've found is that when somebody tells you that you're on the right path, that confidence gives you enough energy to keep going. Mm -hmm. As an entrepreneur, all you have, if you have an idea that no one's ever thought of before, obviously most people are gonna tell you it ain't gonna work. Like, you're, you're disrupting something that hasn't been done before, and most people don't believe that you can actually pull it off. And they see all the issues why you couldn't do it. And when you find somebody to give you a, a system of support, which it seems like your intentions are with Black Ambitions, Black Ambition, it gives that entrepreneur, that young person who's a dreamer, the, the, the gas and the energy and the insight they need to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's important because the thing is, is two points I'll make here. One, you know, when you do have a great idea, but you don't have a business sense, there's mm-hmm. not like great business acumen. There's a lot of great ideas that have, you know, became roadkill. And somebody else goes and does it and figures it out because yeah. they had everything that they needed. Um, you know, that's what that strategic scaffolding is for. It's like to give you that mentorship to tell you, because it's like, it's like saying, man, I want to ride a motorcycle, but I'm only like 10 years old. Okay, you have enough to afford the motorcycle. Go. You're going to crash. You've not learned how to use it. You need that training. You might be the you might be Lewis Hamilton one day. Yeah. But even he had to be trained. Yeah. Jordan needed to be trained. LeBron needed to be cha- trained. And the other thing I'll say too is that we live in a new world. There's so many things that have changed, and I can't get into all of it right now. But for the purpose of this, the the, the context of what we're talking about right now, like one of the things that's changed is that you don't need to be the 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 person who knows every aspect of what you're doing now. Yeah. You can be really good at a couple things, but just recognize what you're not good at and take the other help. Mm-hmm. Like that was, we, we came out of the um, Piscean, Pisces age, you know, when they, when you see, if you, you know, they mentioned Jesus or whatever, you see symbols, sometimes it's a cross, sometimes it's the fish because that was the time. That was the era the, Pi- the Pisces era, right? We're in the, in the Pisces era that we were always waiting on this one lone figure to come save and change everything, right? And Jesus did. And there were a lot of other people around during that era that came out of nowhere, like, man, Martin Luther King, he was really different. But we're in the Aquarius age now and everything's up in the air and everything is about people working together. So you're going to see a lot, of, a lot more people working together. Me in the studio, there's 15 people working on a song. Yeah. It's just different. You don't have to be the one with all the answers. And I'm saying that to say that like there's no longer that business pressure of you needed to walk in the room like this is Shark Tank. No disrespect because I think they do a really good job. But walking in 
like you got it all together. You have to know the P&L, the idea, the, you have to be the inventor. Yeah. yeah, and you don't have to be all those things when you're willing to work with other people who are amazing and who can help you up your game. And that's, to me, the beautiful part about being in the Aquarius age is that there's a lot of sharing and there's a lot of otherness and there's a lot of people being helpful to each other. And that's what we want with Black Ambition. We want to foster you know, real, true elevation, enlightenment, and growth. I love the line, we all have a united stake in this opportunity. Yes. I love that line. It was like, it's true. It, it goes right back to your belief in empathy and why it's super important. Um, watching other people win, watching other people get an opportunity who never had one is something that we all believe in. And we yes. should all let, I mean, to me, that's one of the things that made hip hop so important around the world because it was the first art form that, not the first art form, but one of the art forms that said, you know, I came from nothing and I want something. And everybody sort of gravitated towards that idea. Yeah. And that was the universal truth that made it what it is, um, what it is today. So with all that you do, um, how do you balance your creative freedom with the business infrastructure to do it all? I mean, you're, a friend of mine that I have no problem saying you're one of the greatest creative minds in music, in business, period. Like, like I've, I've seen what you've done. The ideas that you even, when you apply your mind to something, um, what comes out of it is always game-changing. It's not what everybody else is doing. You, you swim against the current, always, ever since the first time I met you. Um, wow. And that's what makes you brilliant. How do you do that? But, but I've noticed that you're still doing that. And, but now you're like skincare, your footwear business, and you're, you're building a business empire at the same time of remaining on the forefront of creativity. You, you got to really explain, because that wasn't the guy I met 20 years ago. The guy I met 20 years ago was the creative guy and went like this with all the business. But now you're in both. How are you pulling that off? I think a lot of creative people struggle with that idea, and you could help, you could help shape their approach by how you, you know, how you approach it. Well, I, first of all, I think I was always under the impression that we, we are all pluralists. Most people just didn't see themselves that way. They didn't realize, man, you're doing a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're not just your mother's son. You know, you're your wife's husband. How do you do that? Mm -hmm. It's a full-time job being your mom's son. Mm -hmm. It's a full-time job being a husband. It's a full-time job being a dad. Mm -hmm. Yet, for whatever reason, you happen to be the same Steve. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and I think business and creativity is, is much in the same. One, um, creativity without business um, is usually victimization. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and business without creativity is a waste of fucking time. That, that doesn't work. <laughs> That's when, you know, those <laughs> meetings, those are, yeah. man. That's not even, oh my even, goodness. I don't even want to go back. I don't want to go, I don't want my oh, mind man. even thinking that. Man, yeah. it's one of the worst things you could ever do is be working with a company and then like, no one just, has they, an idea. They go do some stupid shit, like it's a music company, they go hire like, the, the super successful CEO from an ice cream company to come run it in some shit. 
No, like, they, no that's even worse than that. <laughs> the camera guy drops the thing. <laughs> It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, no, it's it's ideas like that. It's making the HR guy the CEO. Oh my god! It's like really wow. We're really going in the wrong direction fast. Um, they have. It's just. It hurts my heart. It hurts my heart when you see that. So, you know, when you're being creative, you want to make sure that like that like that it goes well. And usually that involves some type of business, you know? Um, and for me, when I do partnerships, I'm only want to do, I only want to do partnerships where I get to be creative and the business is right. So that's what you've seen. You've seen me, because I would do both, but it would be, I don't think my life was proportioned, my time was proportioned right. Because of that. No, you, you, I remember you first, two distinct memories. I remember you first came to our offices at Translation and you seen everybody working and you said, resources. Like you said that <laughs> word and you seen people doing things and I was just like, he can have this in a second. <laughs> I don't even understand why, like. My mind wasn't there yet. You, you weren't there. And, um, you know, the other distinct memory is, when you allowed me to go with you to uh, Japan. It was the first time I went. And I went and I seen it through your eyes and it was, it was one of the most, it's something I'll never ever forget for the rest of my life. Wow. That you allowed me the access to go with you and watch you go through Japan. And your cultural curiosity was just on full display. And this is 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, before anybody was even talking about anything that was close to anything. And, um, I just remember going to Nigo's factory and they were just playing hip hop from 1988. I mean, they was playing Parents Just Don't Understand. No, they was playing every uh, 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 um, Big Daddy Kane record. They, they was playing all of 88. It was bugged out. Um, but like, just the fact that you have, over time, have taken proportionately moved things around so that you are spending more time in business you actually see the difference. I mean, I don't want to talk about that Richard Mill, but like you, your <laughs> partnerships with it, you know, with best in class organizations, Chanel and Richard Mill and, and, and Adidas, and like you just have really great partnerships that it feels frictionless for you. Wow. It, you, you, it emanates fr frictionless. Thank you, man. I'm honored. I'm honored. I really am. I, I, um, I need to take a little, I need to just like, have, I haven't had a vacation in like two years. I got to take a much needed one. And that's because I'm so, I cannot find my, I cannot find my way to complain. I just can't because I know how blessed I am. It's crazy, bro. It's like, and this, me being blessed is really not about me. It's really about God. And really just understanding like, man, if you really, you think about your brother, you think about your sister, you know, whether you know them or you don't, and you contribute somehow, the universe rewards you. And you can't complain. You know, the crazy thing is, 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 is one of my good friends, um, my, my 
t- closest friends are like bishops and prophets. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I just, yeah. I, I want somebody that can tell me something that I yeah, can't yeah, yeah. see. You love it. You, you love feel it. Me? Like that's, that's like you my life, it. the sages and the seers. And he said to me, he said, you know, when you're tired, when people like you are tired, it means you're blessed. I was like, I completely agree. Um, he's like, but you won't complain. I was like, nope. He was like, well, let me just tell you something. He was like, people think the easiest part of a harvest is the harvest. He's like, that's not. The easiest part is the seed. When you ask the universe for something, it's so easy to ask. Mm -hmm. You know, the hardest part is when that harvest come in. You got to catch it. You got to do all that work. In the Bible, it says, you know, the harvest is right, but the laborers are few. So it's harvest is everywhere. Mm-hmm. But who's really willing to do the work, yeah, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you think about it, let's not talk. I mean, Jay, he, he, like, yeah. he does the work. You, yeah. you do the work. Puff, he does the work. We've seen the guys who haven't done the work. We've seen the people who've been around the harvest and have does, not done the work. You, if you've been around hip hop music, specifically hip hop, R and B music, whatever black music, whatever term the industry likes to provide, which is ridiculous. But like over the last 25 years, like how did you not harvest that? How did you not turn that into something? But you, 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 you. No, no, I, that that's what point I'm making. You gotta be one of those guys where like you was born with the switch on. You know, you see a whole bunch of sheep and it ain't just the black one per se. Maybe, maybe culturally inside, mm. but some of us were like, well, everybody keep their head down and following the flock. We go, but what's that way though? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we get down. Like, you know, we get down. Yeah. What's over there? I don't even understand what y'all looking at. <laughs> Everybody's already doing that. <laughs> Why are you looking at that? That's a distraction, actually. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, man, I learned, I, I rode a bike. I went to some, uh, a friend of mine, Jesse, convinced me to go ride a bike 100 miles for a charity. 100 guys ride a bike 100 miles. So I'm riding a bike 100 Sounds miles. Sounds like fun, by the way. No, yeah, yeah, right. It's not fun for your crotch. <laughs> I don't ride a bike. Man, <laughs> I love it though. A hundred miles, a hundred. So we start, we go, we start going. The first twenty-five miles is easy. I'm running it, whatever, whatever. The second twenty-five miles, it gets really, really hard. Oh, so you must have went crazy on the first twenty-five. So crazy, I, I got this, no problem. <laughs> I got three more of these. I'm good. <laughs> you don't even feel your foot. <laughs> By the time you get to, so anyhow. It's funny, we were, we were going from Manhattan to uh, the Hamptons. Mm. That was the ride. Mm. And we went through Queens, and we were in my old neighborhood. And I got, I was with a group of guys. They were, happened to be Caucasian. It was eight of us. And the lines for the street sort of dissipated. So we got lost off the, the trail. And one of the guys said, oh, I know where we are. My dad used to have one of his offices over here. And it was in my neighborhood I grew up in. And I know my dad didn't have no office or nothing like that. Like, and, it, and, and, and the mere fact that that was the recall 
I didn't feel no pain at all. I mean, I just took off, left them, and I was gone. So the energy came from the fact that I had just the memory of where we came from and up that, that thing. Then I realized while I was riding for the last 50 miles that every time I looked at the person that was coming up behind me, they would catch me. But when I looked at the person in front of me and stared at them, I only caught them. And that's how I got through the race. And I took that idea with me for the rest of my life, as I live my life. I do not look that way. No way. I don't even know what that way is. No. I only see that way. Period. And I don't want to hear nothing from anybody about <laughs> anything, about why we're going in that direction. That's the direction we're rolling. That's why. That's why. <laughs> it makes me laugh because... Because you know me, yes, and you know I'm serious. <laughs> Okay. All right. Um, ah, it's amazing. You know, let's... Uh, well, by the way, yeah, making it all make sense, that's what Black Ambition is. If you're not looking that way, we know you have something in you, and we want to encourage you to look that way. You know? We want to help foster. Yeah. We want to foster more people, encourage more people to look other ways. You know, not just be a product of the system and not even know you're in the system like you don't even know no what i knew when i got into the, the music business was it was easier back in the early 90s i would say because people would your taste um clearly mattered it was a small business at the mm -hmm. time so like if you heard a song your taste really mattered and as the business got um so there was no formal education needed to have taste in, in that kind of music. Um, but like even when, as you got into design, or, or I've gotten into the advertising business, I realized that the, the, the best insight that I had is the one that comes from non-formal education. Yeah. The insight that came from me and just through my journeys as a young kid, knowing the ads that I like to see, knowing the ads that I didn't like to see, being a consumer and knowing the way I wanted to be spoken to versus the ways that were bad or didn't make any sense and didn't connect. And that's the kind of stuff that I, when I hire people and, and I bring people in my company, I'm less concerned about the formal background and I'm more concerned about, are you using your, yeah, your instincts? In, your intuition. Yeah, yes. and instinct, are you applying that? Because if you apply that, we're going to win. Yeah. That's the thing I want to, because that's, I built the whole business off of that idea 100%. of my instincts. Yeah. And I, I, I want people to bring that first and foremost to the table. You, you, could, you could double check it with your formal education if you happen to have that, but don't rely on your formal education first and foremost. Yeah. Not, not with me. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people who have the formal education that just like couldn't get out of a fucking, you know, couldn't find their way out of the Louvre. Yeah, well, that was out. That was back. That was. Um, I mean, that was the whole point about having business people and not having uh, having ideas. You know, listen. I want to ask you. Um, what has been the most important lesson that you've learned? Valuable lesson that you learned from the record business. Producer, artist, businessman, valuable lesson you learned and really distill it. Most valuable lesson that I've learned 
um, is that um, it's music business. And both of them, you must be uh, well-versed in, understand, or else they're going to take advantage of you. If you're great in business and you have no taste with the music, somebody's going to come take your money because they know you don't know no better. If you're well-versed in music, but you don't understand the business, somebody's going to make your money because you don't understand what your business should look like. So I think both are very important. And if you find yourself in a situation, looking at the cameras for this one, you find yourself in a situation which is 65 to 75% of the time when you're in a compromised contract, don't stop making music. Like, that's going to help you. Don't do that. What you do is make the music and there is a lawyer that will come and help you to unlock all of, um, you know, all of the, 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 um, the, the, um, all of verbal, the f- verbal, verbal, uh, acrobats. Yeah. All of that, <laughs> all of the, the verbal labyrinth that you are in, there is a way out of it, right? There was a way into it. There's a way out of it. Make the music. Don't stop making music. Don't don't think that you're going to hold off. But let me explain something to you. Creativity is not coming out of you. Creativity is like the work of the universe. The universe, that's why they call them universities. The universe is a library. I was just telling somebody this yesterday. All we're doing is checking ideas out. We can pretend that we're being possessive. It was here before us. It's going to be here after us. We're just checking ideas mm. out, right? Mm, mm, mm. And mm. what you would have checked out on one day might not be what you would check out on the next day. So don't not make the music. When you got a library card that works, you use that card every day. Wow. That's, that's a great one. You know, 100% I agree. What, what people don't know um, is that this whole idea of United Masters was inspired by our talks and our discussions. You came up with the name United Masters. You birthed that name and you blessed this company with that name because you understood everything that it, that it means for artists to own their rights. You are somebody who have always, like I said earlier, fought for the voiceless. You've used your examples and, your, and you've shared that wisdom. You're not afraid to do that because you want humanity to be better. There's a lot of artists and producers here looking at this today, and they look up to you. They admire you. They they want to be, in some shape, form, or fashion, somehow the, the next Pharrell and be expansive. I just want you to give them some words, some some parting words about the idea of being independent, owning their music, and owning their future. And we're so used to being owned in some way, shape, or form. You know, our debts are owned. Sometimes you, you find you're paying a debt to one person and you thought you was actually paying it to somebody else, but somebody bought that debt. We're really good at that in this country. Is like the concept of like ownership. But no one should own you 
No one should own your actions. No one should own your creations. But you and anybody else, you decide that, you know, if you want to like, you know, this NFT thing, right? Non-fungible tokens, like, yeah, that's what you want to do. Great. But you shouldn't, you shouldn't walk into a company and say, I'm going to make this record. They give you an advance. Then for the, for the, for the tenure of that, the entire time that your album's out, you're work, working to pay back that advance. Like, no bank. No it's bank, illegal. No it's bank, illegal. No bank gives a company a loan to start a company and walks away with the trademarks. It's, it's illegal. Walks, walks away with the... Um, the patents. Walks away with the patents, walks away with the product, and owed... The founder is somewhere still paying off that and borrowing future earnings against future earnings. Against his patents or his trademark. To try to get it back, but they don't never get it. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people working in the music industry to change that on the, on the record company side and on the publishing side. It's not enough of them. Mm-hmm. Um, because that... that that's been that's been legalized, right? So they're not in a hush to they're not in a hush. They're not in a rush to get it done. They might be in a hush to get it done. Um, <laughs> Freudian slip, mm. but um, but there are good people in the business. Um, should you want to do that, and it's got to make sense. But you should always own your creations, man. Um, I've had really um, amazing people to like help me with that, to help me look at things in the right way. It's very, for a very long time, man, you know, you're not owning what you think you're owning. But when you get that sense of ownership and you understand it, the only thing you want to do is share that with everybody else, man. Like, yes, you should be no one's slave. You should be no one's indentured servant. You should be your own master, period. You should be your own master of your creations. You were the master of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, um, I, I only have one master. That's God. That's it. That's my only, that's my only master. I'll slave for him any way, shape, or form. That's because I get it. And I want that same sense of, that's what, this is what freedom looks and feels like. When you just go, oh, yeah, thank you, God. <laughs> you know, that's the only master. Well, listen, you, like I said, man, I, the talks that we have have been enlightening to me um, for, the, for the last 25 years, whether it be eight in the morning or random around, when you're around the world, these random conversations that always is a North Star to them. It's how do we advance? It's how do we move forward? It's you forcing me to take my intellect and apply it towards nothing but good and even better. And you push me. You push the shit out of me. We fight about you pushing me, right? And I'm proud to call you a friend. And because of those conversations, I have become better. Because of those conversations, we have United Masses. We have SelectCon. We have this opportunity today. Thank you. No, man, thank you. Yeah. 